0: Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech and Future Tech Health podcast. And I have Dr. Joe Tector. He's a director of the Xeno Transplant Program. We're going to be talking about what Xeno Transplants are and his work. So, uh, Dr. Tector, thank you for coming.
1: Thank you for having
0: me. So, yeah, uh, first, before we get into it, what is a Xeno Transplant? Is that a transplant from one creature to another?
1: It's from It's a transplant from one species to another species. So, it's a different species. Um, okay. when you when you transplant from a person uh one person to a different person, that's an allograft. Um and if you transplant from the same person, it's an isograft. Um so okay. xenograft is just foreign, means it means a different species. Oh, huh, interesting. I didn't even know some of
0: like that was possible. So what? um so you actually do xenotransplants, or are you just studying them? Like what is your work about? So we are doing – we are working to
1: make it possible for people to receive uh, genetically modified pig organs instead of human organs. So if you look at the landscape in transplant – and I'm going to – the situation is similar throughout the world, but I'm going to use the statistics for the U.S. And so in the United States, there's over 120,000 people waiting for organ transplants. Roughly 100,000 of those people are waiting for kidneys. There are many, many more people um, that are waiting uh, that could get uh, or benefit from transplant that aren't uh, put on a list because they just don't feel like there's enough organs. I mean, the the need is unbelievable. Um, So the problem is is that you and I, if you were to put a pig organ into us, we would reject it within minutes because you and I have antibodies that bind to the sugars on the surface of the, the pig cells. And so... My work in my lab uh, with my team, and there are teams throughout the world that are pursuing this, is trying to make it possible through the use of genetic engineering of the pigs and new types of immunosuppression of a recipient to be able to put pig organs into people in place of a human organ.
0: Okay. And you said, all right, so out of all the organ transplants out there, kidneys are by far the one where there's the uh, most need and the fewest organs available? That's right. Yeah, actually a friend of mine needs a kidney transplant and he had to go through a whole process and had to be vetted and they had to make sure he's eligible and he goes to, you know, he has to do all these things just to uh, be put on the list. So yeah, I'm sure it's uh, it's necessary, unfortunately, and it's uh, because there's not enough of them to go around. Yeah, it's a daunting process. There's no question about it.
1: It would be very different so, if organs were available. Do
0: so you want to, uh, all right, so you want to harvest,
1: Pig organs
0: and be able to transplant them into people. What are you know? You said about organ rejection. What are some of the roadblocks or difficulties in doing that, and how can you overcome them?
1: Well, so currently the roadblock has been one uh, one single problem, and, and that is that you and I have antibodies to pig cells, and so those those antibodies bind to the surface of the graft, and they uh, activate a system in the in the blood called complement that sort of drills holes in the blood vessel lining cells and it makes uh, the blood clot in the organ, and so the graft dies on the table. So there's a number of ways that you can get around um, this problem, and so what people have been doing lately is using the new genetic engineering tools. Um, Specifically, people have been using the CRISPR-Cas system to delete genes, and so in my lab, we deleted three enzymes that are responsible for producing Sugars that you and I we have those enzymes in our body, but we deleted them during the course of evolution And as a result of those deletions We now make antibodies when we encounter those sugars and we encounter those sugars when we're babies and our gut gets reconstituted with with, uh, Bacteria flora so it's a normal process and so the the that's how come we have antibodies that end up binding to the pixels but so when you delete those sugars with each deletion The antibody binding to the pig cells that you and I have goes down, and so now we're at a point with the uh, three genes knocked out, uh, three out of 10 people on the wait list that we've tested, we've tested about 2,000, would have a negative uh, cross-match, meaning that they don't have any detectable antibody to those pig cells. So that's the first barrier clear. Hmm. And so then the situation becomes that makes it much more like a human to a human transplant because if you were to get a kidney transplant from a, a relative or from somebody else, one of the last things they'll do is they'll take your blood and they'll make sure that you don't have any antibodies to the donor. And this is no different. The only difference is instead of the donor being another person or a dead person, a person that's recently died, it'll be a pig. And so now we're at the point where we have people that can Probably receive these uh, kidneys without being, uh, without rejecting them on the table, and so they would need immunosuppression or drugs to suppress the immune system, just like you would for a human-to-human transplant.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you um, if you're able to do this, you know, with uh, with pig organs. Why can't we apply this to human transplants so that there's no need for immunosuppressive drugs?
1: Well, so we're a long way from not needing any immunosuppressive drugs in a xenotransplant, but the the issue with a um, why you can't do that in humans is when you get the human organ, that organ is already formed, whereas with the pigs, we're able to take cells and modify those cells and then clone those cells so that the pigs are created and born with that in mind, and so once, okay. once the organ is already formed, it's, the horse is kind of out of the barn at that uh, point.
0: If that makes sense, right? Unless you get 3D print an organ, but that's another pathway that's still being worked Right, out that's out. another
1: pathway, and at some point, um, you know, that might be very feasible. But currently, that's not—you know—we're not able to do that to the uh, extent we'd need to to be able
0: to to do it clinically. But I heard that um, there are also viruses over time that have uh, worked their way into animal genes and into our genes. I don't know what they call them, but the so Blue so George they're called retro- retroviruses, and so.
1: Sure, and so the we have retroviruses. There's human endogenous retroviruses. There are pig endogenous retroviruses, and so in the 1990s, late 1990s and early 2000s, there was a very big concern that um, that this porcine endogenous retrovirus, or PERV, as it's called, would be uh, could infect people and cause a new disease in humans. And so that slowed progress down in the field tremendously. So over the last 15, 20 years, one of the things that's been sorted out very clearly is that people have started to figure out that, hey, if you have, um, if if you, this porcelain retrovirus, the first part is, is it's been very hard to get it, in, in, if not impossible, to get it to infect normal human cells. They have been able to get it in cells that are transformed or are altered. Uh, but they have to do—they have to get the two, two of the three viruses PERV, A and C to recombine. Um, and in addition, what, because people have gotten so much more experience with pandemic viruses and new diseases, what they've learned is, is that these uh, people have had a really long exposure to pigs, and so there's never been an instance where somebody was thought to have a disease from and endogenous retrovirus. In addition, this and endogenous retrovirus or PERV it's never been shown that that virus causes disease in a pig. And if it were to infect human cells, work from the FDA, actually from the FDA labs, has shown that porcinodized retrovirus is exquisitely sensitive to two classes of antiretroviral drugs. And so at this point in time, I think the feeling in the xenograft community, um, and and I think the regulatory bodies will, will likely agree, is that perv is unlikely to be a, a serious threat, and so um, you, you mentioned George Church and they they knocked out uh, the polymerase that makes the perv, and it's a very nice piece of genetic engineering work. But I don't see that as something coming on the front end. I
0: see that coming later on.
1: If well, it it's good. The, the
0: fewer obstacles, the better. You know, correct. No, that's right. All right. So you you've been able to knock out these antibodies. Um, I mean how do you even test whether this will work? So we I mean, it's not antibodies. We've knocked out the sugars that the and antibodies the bind to. So you still have the antibodies, but these pigs just don't have those sugars for it to bind to anymore. I'm sorry, yeah, I misspoke. So sugars. Well that's um, okay. but how would you how would you test that this'll work? Because I don't think the uh, uh I don't know if you'll be allowed to just, you know, round up some people that need organs and put pig organs in them. So how do you get to the point where you sure, know if so, this is gonna work or not and then test it? Well yeah you can do cross matching assays like you do for human to,
1: uh, human transplants um and, and then you can also test uh the pig organs in a, in a small number of non human primates um and so um you know that's that's the work that's been done to move that forward and so um what we can say is we're you know able to keep uh so these kidneys have been able to keep um rhesus monkeys alive from between 300 to 500 days. Okay, but they and still I, have
0: to have immunosuppressive drugs. Correct. It's, it's like time. it's yeah, it's like, tra- it's like getting
1: a train, it's like getting a human to human transplant. And, and and I don't know if you saw the Germans published something in Nature about a week ago where they were able to get uh baboons to live with a pig heart for uh you know, more than 6 months. So that which was a really exciting uh, piece of work. Um
0: if this works, why why are the uh creatures only living, you know, 6 months or a year? What happens over time with these transplants?
1: Well, so first off,
0: you know, there's
1: only so long um, that it needs that you need to to go to prove that it can work. Um, the other thing is these pigs are made for use in humans, so they're actually a better match for humans. And there are limitations to what you can do to take care of uh, the primates as compared to a human being. You can't draw blood all the time, so you you can't monitor drug levels as carefully. I mean, there's there's a lot of different things that are that are challenges that. Um, so, in drug development, if you can uh, go six months in a, in a preclinical model like that, that's usually uh, more than enough uh, convincing that, that you can go ahead
0: for a clinical trial.
1: Yeah, so in, if, in if you were looking at human to human, go
0: ahead. Yeah, even in human to human transplants, why do people have to take immunosuppressive drugs? Like, what goes on? And I'm well, so just ignorant of it, but why?
1: No, no, but so there's the the region of the body is called the major histocompatibility complex um in, in the in the um humanist called human leukocyte antigen or the pig, its swine leukocyte antigen but if if your immune system is able to form antibodies if they don't match exactly and it's unusual for them to match exactly then those different molecules signify the 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 body can start making um, so, some either t cells can bind to it and cause a reaction or you can make antibodies to it and then antibody rejection is
0: very hard to overcome yeah when if um if by studying cancer, because cancer seems to mask itself, you know, in the body, so it doesn't look like a foreign object, if you could learn from those kind of cells to stop rejection of transplants, Absolutely, but
1: I think the first step in this process
0: is to take a pig organ
1: and make it so that we can treat the pig organ exactly like we treat a human organ for transplant. And then once everybody's able to get a transplant, then we look at it as, hey, we can start to become a lot more, Sophisticated or fancy, if you will, about how we how we're approaching this, but we're kind of looking at this. we have to walk before or you know we have to crawl before we walk and walk before we relax. yeah that makes
0: sense so are you what at what stage are you at? you've done transplants into uh, primates and they're living for quite a long time, and now you know are you at that point, and what's the next step yeah,
1: so we're so we're we're getting to the point of where it's it's it might be reasonable to to start considering. Um, you know, moving forward to, to try this in a very
0: limited fashion in, in people that are not going to get a kidney transplant. Well, what's required regulatory wise in order to be able to do that? Like, what steps do you have to go through now?
1: Well, you know, so, so there's a there's a formal process you have to go through with uh, uh, in this country in the Food and Drug Administration. Um, you know, you have to have several meetings before they'll uh, issue uh, an investigational new drug application, uh, so that you can move forward with it. Um, You know, but before that, you have to be able to make these pigs. You have to have a specialized facility where you're able to, uh, you know, raise the pigs in a fashion where they there's viruses that they're not allowed to have, Um, and and that's any kind of virus that's likely to infect a human. So on our list, that's probably 31 viruses I would, off the top of my head. So you have to develop the assays to test for those, and we've done that. Um, Then you have to be able to house them and make sure that they don't pick up those viruses. And you have to be able to uh, cross-match a person and say, this person does or doesn't have antibodies. And so we've, we've sorted that out. So now we're at the point where we're, we we're trying to figure out exactly what we have to do. So I mean, you have to get your institutional review board to approve it. You also have to get um, your FDA approval. And that's... I think that's a new – no one's done that yet, so a lot of how that works is mapped out well, but um, some of it's still um, up in the air. What I will say is in the interactions that I've had at meetings and things with the FDA, they are very well-informed, and they are very, very helpful, so I'm
0: optimistic about it. I heard that some other countries may have fast-track. Are you considering trying to fast-track it in another country first or go the path here instead in the U.S.?
1: Um, Currently, uh, we're intending to do it in the United States. Okay. So um, I think it's very important for whoever wants to do this that they do it at an institution that they're very familiar with and they know how it runs and they understand how the hospital works because at the end of the day, while there's a lot of science involved and there's a lot of other moving parts, at the end of the day, this is still a kidney or going to be a transplant in a patient. And so you have to have a first-class transplant program um, at a first-class institution and, and to, to do, do it somewhere where will, you're not um, very familiar, it's a problem.
0: Yeah, do you think this will open up the door to a double kidney transplant? Because if you once you're able to do this, then you could probably have a surplus at some point and then maybe you could do a double one instead of just a single one. You know,
1: something that's absolutely right. That's something that uh, we wonder very much about. I think to start with, we are going to try and replicate the human-to-human transplant as close as humanly possible but once we get through and figure that out that's certainly something we're going to look into it should should people be getting to give
0: what about an, an intermediary intermediate step um i guess like in dialysis you know they'll take blood and they'll take it out of your body and filter it and put it back in would it make any sense to i don't know have a creature set up where the blood comes out of the body it gets filtered through a pig organ and then goes back into the body would that do anything to make this no, because the, make, the problem the is
1: you have to – we're over the early f- hurdle, and so the next phase is it's not for a week or two. It's months and even you know years or at least a year or two. So I think that's going to be really hard to do that way. So we're at a point where I think we just are going to have to try it. I mean, if you look at the uh, – and some of the things that are going on around the world for transplant tourism where, where people you know are giving up their kidneys for very little money and they – you know, it's it's really really uh, tough, and it's draconian some of the things that people are doing to try and
0: uh, make themselves healthy again. So we, we really, I think we're at the point where we just got to try. So how long will it be if things go well until uh, this is actually approved and is happening? Um, in a
1: very limited fashion, I would certainly think within two years,
0: within two and a half years, maybe three. So say say what work three is, years. Okay. Well, the. And besides jumping through the hoops and getting the regulatory stuff set up, what are you working on over these next two years? Like what other things need to be done to uh to get the process finalized? Um you know, I think we're just double checking things or educating the people in your community, educating your hospital, uh, those kind of things. So you're focusing uh just on kidneys or are you gonna be doing multiple organs like Well we intend to do all of them, now? but we're gonna start with a kidney. Okay, and then you so you're gonna do this like serially, like you're gonna see if that yep. works first then if it does move on to another organ, yes um is the reason so the reason you chose kidneys is because that's the most dire need, or is it an easier organ to transplant for some reason so
1: it's the most dire need, no question, but also since we got a negative cross match, you know if we do a kidney transplant and it doesn't work, we could remove it and put the person on dialysis, so it doesn't result in that a person dying uh the other thing is is if um Kind of the course of rejection and all that—it's better mapped out than some of the other
0: organs. What do you mean, it's better mapped out, like what happens during the rejection yeah, process.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. So it's able—it's much—it's more easily understood.
0: Oh, okay, I see. Well, so what's the hierarchy of transplant difficulty? So a kidney is not so bad, and there's a great need. You know, what would be next, and what would be next after that, and what's more difficult? I think the heart is uh, is okay, and then I think the liver
1: comes in next. Um, and then I think um, probably the lungs and then the intestines probably last. And I think the pancreas is somewhere in the middle, um, but I, I think people expect to do islet transplants or cellular transplants rather than whole
0: organs. So I, I, I kind of held that out. And then there how many transplantable organs are there from pigs? You, could you transplant just about yeah, every organ we need, all. or there will yeah, be a think few. So. No, you take all of them probably work. Okay. No, yeah, it sounds like hey, you know, we got it down. It's uh, we're just waiting. That's why, well, that's why I'm we're asking. We're getting you closer. You, it's man. been a long time though. I mean, we've been working on this for years and years. So it was one of those uh, overnight successes that took you know ten, twenty years, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Are there, um, is there a need to look at other animals, or is the pig that's going to be plenty? You know, you don't need to look elsewhere.
1: Uh. Well, if the pig has all the characteristics that you might look for. number one, um as far as they're you know used for food, so that's one barrier where people are used to you know using the, the pigs for human uh, benefit um, then pigs you know come in all sizes, they grow fast, they have uh, sizable litters um they're they come in the size of the smallest human, the size of the largest human, anatomically, they're similar, physiologically they're similar. The pig genome is well characterized. We're able to do a lot of genetic modifications to it. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons to go with a pig. So, I think that's probably going to be the animal choice. It's got a low risk uh, for transmitting diseases to humans. And yeah, this is a
0: weird question that occurred to me, but what if you're Muslim or what if you're, uh, you know, Orthodox Jew? And you don't eat pork. I mean, yeah,
1: you, you know, okay that's a great question. Mention? It seems like everybody, every culture has a, has a clause that says, look, if it's to save a person's life, we're okay with it. Um, and so that's that's been my basic understanding is
0: that people are okay with it.
1: Yeah, I was just wondering
0: because uh, I wonder if that will be a big complication. But if they're okay with it, that's great. You know? Yeah, so far it looks like they've been okay with it. Okay. Well, interesting. Um, so what do you see is happening? I know it's, it looks like the two-year mark till this is being used on a limited basis. What's going to be happening over the next six months or a year with your work? Any uh, new developments that you're working on right now? Well, we're always trying to figure out what the we're
1: trying to make it so that everybody has no antibodies to
0: these pigs. So we're going to
1: work on that, um, and, and we're sorting that out. And we're validating some of the tests that we're making for the uh, you know for patients. You know whether it's the cross match assay, so we can you know, validate that we're really good at picking up the whether or not you have antibodies to the pigs and what they bind to. Um, you know, we're validating the
0: uh, viral testing, those kind of things. It, do you see that this affects the pigs at all themselves um, when you delete these uh, these sugars? No.
1: And if you think about it, we're a great test for that. It's mammalian biology. We've, we've knocked those sugars out, and we're
0: just fine. Oh, okay. I didn't know if it changed the pigs at all. Nope. They seem to be totally normal. Seem entirely normal. And is there a particular species of pig that works better than other species? And no, there's no magic pig. System? It's just a... Just got to have one that's got the the right uh, genetic makeup as far as the genetic oh. engineering goes. Okay, I don't know. if There's a certain breed that you're focusing on, and if you nope. use other breeds, that would cause too much complication. No. Okay. Well, very good. Um. So, what's the best way for uh, folks to get in touch if they have questions and they want to find out more? You mean? You know, if they want to um, maybe read papers on your work, or uh, you know, speak to the uh, the company that you work with, or. You know, just reach out in some way, ideas, collaboration, whatever it may be. You know, what's the best way uh, for people to get in touch? Do they just go to a website, or how should they uh, find out more?
1: Yeah, if they look on the web and at UAB, they can, they can uh, find it. Absolutely. There's some of the Transplant Society okay. websites. There's the International Xenotransplant Association website. It's it's ICSA. Um, that's a website that has information.
0: Okay, well, very good. Well, I appreciate coming on the podcast, and uh, I hope this works out. It's going to save a lot of lives. We're optimistic. Thank you for your time. You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. If you enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you.